those uh, watching online, um, you're probably watching after Saturday and Sunday has happened, and so you may have had the chance to watch some of the baptisms that uh, that uh, happened uh, before this. But maybe if not, I'd encourage each of you tomorrow to find the time to uh, check out the baptisms uh, and their stories that'll be happening. It's well worth uh, well worth seeing. So uh, tonight, uh, I want to uh, I want to talk just about. Uh, yeah, one just one uh, one part of of life. I I don't know if uh, you realize how many memorable moments are happening right now. Uh, just even hearing the kids, you know, with the graduation happening. Uh, there's girls at my uh, girl at my house today getting her hair done for prom. Uh, there's some people from our church who are moving out uh, moving out east. Summer vacation is happening. Weddings are happening. Uh, uh, baptisms are happening. These are like these big memorable events, and they're events that remind us each and every one of us, especially if you look look back at some of them that we're in this journey called life. You can, if, for those who've been baptized, you know, it's like you look back and you just remember that day. And I don't know if you can see on the, on the uh, tank here, there's people who signed their, the names uh, and the dates of when they, they happened to be in this tank uh, going through the waters of baptism. It's like, man, I remember, I remember that. I, I, was, I was there. And uh, it was different, different things uh, that uh, remind us that we're on a journey. And Paul uh, and the New Testament writers, they write about this journey of life, and they refer to it as a race. They want us to be thinking about the fact that each and every one of us are in a race. You're not just, you're not just biology that happens to be alive. You're not just a cluster of cells that made it. You know, you are, you are in a race. And so the question tonight is, have you considered the journey that you're on recently? Not the recent part of your journey. Have you recently thought of the journey that you're on? And have you thought about where you're headed? Have you thought about how you're running? Or if you're running at all? And why? And this isn't just for Jesus followers. This is across the board for anyone. Have you thought about where you're headed in life? Have you considered how you're running and why? And so uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to do all of the scripture at the beginning, and then we're going to kind of reference back to it a bunch of times. So if you're taking notes, you can jot down these three scriptures. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. So we're going to start there. And it says this, Paul, Paul wrote this one. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. And you're like, hey, this sounds vaguely familiar. It should, because we talked about it last week. Uh, he says, I, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Like, I'm reaching for everything that Jesus reached me for. I want everything that he has for me. And then verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet. I've not reached it fully. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, Paul referencing this this race, and we're in it, and, and and how he's, um, how he's uh, approaching it. Then we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we, he's not, now this guy's not saying just, hey, this is what I'm doing, but he's like, this is what we're doing. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life or this race of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So not only is Paul saying, this is how I'm running, this writer says, well, this is where we are all, this is how we're all to run. And then 1 Corinthians 9 
Paul once again writes to the Corinthian church, uh, and he says in verse 24, and he actually writes to the Galatians about it uh, as well, but he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? He said, when you're in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. He says, don't you realize that? So so what's his encouragement? So run like you want to win. He's like, everybody's in the race. Everybody's running and only one person's going to get the prize. So it might as well be you run like you want to win. Verse 20, um, 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. They do it for, to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Again, another racing term. As we think about, you know, the thoughts of, of, of Paul and these New Testament writers saying, hey, there's a race to be run. There's a race to be won. There's a number of points that they make, and I just want to focus on a few of them today. Uh, and so here they are, run to win. And if you're like, you know, I want all them to line up with letters, uh, this one starts with the desire. Run, run to win, run with desire. This year, um, I don't know if anybody, there's horse racing fans here. This year, the Kentucky Derby was quite the event. There was this, um, it features a field of 20 horses, and it, it included this guy, this guy right here, Rich Strike. Uh, so Rich Strike is actually um, underneath the guy who's riding on there. That's Sonny Leon. So Rich Strike, uh, and his, his um, trainer and his owners, they affectionately refer to him as Richie. Well, Richie did not qualify for the Kentucky Derby this year. He was number 21 out of the 20 horses. And so the day before the race, uh, the last horse who was actually number 20, his name was Ethereal, uh, dropped out of the race and so Richie gets in. Richie is into this race and his trainer is ecstatic because they finally had a horse that they that they trained that made it to the Kentucky Derby and they were like you know we were we were ecstatic that he was there but that 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 was that was enough that was the win for him they thought this horse can never win uh, but we're just glad we made it and then you know his um his uh, owner said, too, like, I think, you know, it's it, like to win. That, that's impossible. He can't win. You know, the dad of the trainer said, you know, if he gets into the middle of the pack, if he comes in, you know, like in the in the middle, that that's going to be awesome. Awesome. But he can't win. You know, the bookie said this guy, this horse. There's no way like this horse had the highest odds in the last hundred years against him for winning 80 to one. He he can't win. The jockey who was riding on him, Sonny Leon, realized as they left the gate, uh, he's in the very back with all 19 horses ahead of him, thinking, hmm, not this time. You know, I'm glad to be here, but no, he can't win. And then if you listen to it and Google it, it's fascinating to watch. The announcer is announcing this horse race, and all he focuses on are two horses. The, the, the epicenter and Xander are the two favored to win. And all you hear them is these two, these two, these two. And then at the last second, all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, here comes Rich Strike. Why? Because all of them said he can't win, he can't win, he can't win. Even before the announcer's like, ah, this horse is 80 to ones, he, he can't win. Well, the problem is somebody forgot to tell the horse. <laughs> because that horse, Richie, came out to win. It didn't matter if um, it didn't matter what, an, what what anybody else had said. It didn't matter, um, you know, what the first part of his race looked like. It didn't matter how many obstacles were in his path. If you look at his face, how much dirt is in his eyes and how much dirt is in his mouth, uh, he came to win. 
And so we can say if this was like a TED talk or like a, a motivational speech, if you, you know, if you go out there to win, you're going to win. And the truth is that that's not a guarantee. It doesn't mean that just because everybody comes and says, man, I, I, I'm here to win the race. I'm going to win. That, that's not how the Bible works. That's not how life works either. But I can promise you this. I can guarantee you that Rich Strike does not win if he didn't come out intent on racing to win. He doesn't go through all of the, the craziness to get there. And I think that's what Paul's encouraging the believers in Corinthians. He's like, hey, run to win. Like, give yourself the chance to win. Run in the, you're, you're in the race anyways. You're in a race anyways. Run in a way that you'll win. And why, do I think, why does he say that? Because I think this, that sometimes the journey doesn't quite go as expected. Anybody, anybody can say, yeah, that's, uh, I can relate to that. It doesn't always go the way that I thought or the way that I hoped. And so the second thought is this, run with endurance. And if you're looking for the Ds, it's run with determination. Run with endurance. Why do we use those words? Because that's what the Hebrew writer wrote. He says, we run this race with endurance. Paul told the Philippians, he's like, hey, man, like I'm running this race and, and I press on. You know, when, you, when, when things aren't going well, that's when you have to press on. In the 80s, uh, in Australia, there was this uh, ultra marathon race uh, that they would run. And you can see it there. It's from Sydney all the way to Melbourne. It's 845 kilometers it would take people almost over a week to complete that race. And they would be, you know, most of the time they were 30 years old and younger. They were sponsored by like guys from like, they were sponsored by Nike and other uh, shoe companies. And uh, they, they would run this race every, uh, every year. And then in 1983, there was a, a guy, a 61 year old guy named Cliff Young, which is ironic because he wasn't, he was old, but 61 year old Cliff Young shows up to run this race. He's, uh, he's, he shows up in his galoshes and he's got his windbreaker pants that he had cut holes in to make him more, you know, aerodynamic and stay to stay cool while he's running. And uh, as he gets up there, the, the media and the rest of the other racers are looking like at this, 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 this old man who's coming up and he's, he, yeah, he's going up to the number table and he gets to the thing and they're like, you want to race? And then he's like, yeah, I want to race. He's like, can I have my number? And so they give him a number and he hands them his dentures and says, these rattle when I run, can you hold them for me till the end? And they're like, this is like, this is crazy. This dude's like, seriously, like he's really going to do it. And so the media is kind of giving him some, some heckling, the crowds heckling him a little bit because, you know, it's just, it's so unreal. But then uh, as, um, as the pistol goes off, the racers take off and then Cliff begins to like shuffle and he slowly goes by as everybody else and the, and the crowds say they just like smirking into outright laughing at this 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 humble uh, old man trying to run this run this race he has no idea what he's in for well the trained runners they ran for 18 hours straight they, they, and then they would sleep for 6 hours and then they would continue to run for 18 hours and so the first night they uh, they ran 18 hours and went to sleep but not cliff Cliff just kept going. And so by the morning when they woke up, as they're about to have breakfast, they see Cliff go by. And they're like, wait, wait a second. And, and so after breakfast, they get out and they just start running. And they, get, they catch up to Cliff, no problem. And they, and they pass him. And they carry on running until that evening. And they, and they go to sleep again. The next morning they wake up and they look back, no Cliff. Then they look ahead and they're like, man, he's way, way ahead of them by now. No sleep. See, what they didn't know about Cliff is that Cliff, for the last 50 years, had been chasing 2,000 sheep around 2,000 acres. His family was too poor to afford a tractor or a horse, so Cliff was the guy who had to herd the animals. And he had learned 
This perfected this thing of just shuffling to be able to just continue, continue to run, sometimes three days at a time without sleep, and so that he would be able to herd these sheep. Well, Cliff just came to this race and realized, well, I don't have dentures, so I can't stop to eat, and he's not going to stop to sleep, so he just kept going. They never caught up to Cliff again. Cliff actually set the record for this race, and he beat the record by two days. He ran this race in five days, 15 hours, and four minutes, and the second place guy was 10 hours later. Why? What a crazy thing. You know what's even crazier? Cliff won a $10,000 prize. He won a $10,000 prize, and he was this poor guy, but he didn't even realize there was a prize. So he gave it away to the next five guys who crossed the line. Each of them got to split it evenly. I think, man, what, what a crazy story. But why do I tell it? Because I want you to remember this, that Cliff's whole thing of shuffling, keep on shuffling, is something that I think us as believers need to know in our own lives sometimes too, is when life doesn't go quite as expected, it's not the time to give up, but the time to keep on shuffling. The journey can be a long one. There's going to be moments in our life where it's like, man, you're high. You're, just like, you're on fire. You feel like it's those on fire moments, and then it's exciting, but then it's, it's amazing how shortly after that, there's like the doubts that creep in. Tomorrow, there'll be people going through the waters of baptism. Maybe tonight afterwards. We brought towels. Um, Who knows? But they go through, and then there's these doubts that come along their way. And and here's here's the the challenge from Paul. And the thing is, say, hey, keep on shuffling. Keep on going. Um, If you went to Sunday school, you know the Old Testament story of uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Elijah is like the only prophet of the Lord. He's the only guy who stands up for truth. And he's up against 450 prophets of the bad guy. And he calls this, he calls this like this ultimatum mission. He's like, listen, we're going to prove once and for all who's the real God and who's the right prophet. So meet me on Mount Carmel and let's do this thing. So they get to Mount Carmel. He tells them, he says, listen, here's the, here's the deal. We're both going to build altars. We're both going to put a sacrifice on them, but nobody gets a lighter. You know, you, you pray to your God. And if he lights up that thing, then he says, I will admit that you guys, that, that your God's the right one. And you guys are the right prophets. And, uh, so they try first, nothing happens. Then Elijah, it's a little bit showboaty. He's like, okay, nothing happened over there, fellas. He's like, we're about to witness something here. So, um, here's my sacrifice and everything, but just so you know, I'm not cheating, douse it in water. And they flood the altar with water. And he's like, okay, now do it again. And they flood it again. And he's like, just to make sure there's no trickery, do it one more time. And they flood this thing with so much water, it's just soaking wet and drenched. And what does he say, this humble prayer? Lord, would you prove to these people that you are the one and only true God for your glory? And man, it's like, fire comes down from heaven eats up the sacrifice, eats up the rocks, drinks up all the water, melts everything. Like it is like, this is no normal fire. And for once, there's this bonafide proof, you know, that, that the God of Israel is the one true God. And it says, you know, Elijah's like, it doesn't matter. You have 450 of you, but me plus God majority. That's all we need. And sure enough, sure enough, we think and we hear as kids growing up, man, this guy's a hero. But I don't know about you, but they never, like, in Sunday school told me what happened next with this guy. Do you know what happened next? Four verses later, Elijah's out in the desert asking the Lord to take him. He wants his life to end. He's, like, so depressed. God, you're never there for me. Just let me die. Like, did you not see the last picture, Elijah? Go read it. First Kings 19. Go read. I'm not lying. But here we're like, what happened here? 
What happened here? It's like Elijah's like, man, on fire, which we have those moments, man. It usually happens at a conference or it happens at like the best worship time ever or, or you know, your baptism or salvation is like, wow, it's like on fire for God. And then there's going to be those moments. And this is the spot where it's like, man, you got to, you got to keep on shuffling. But God sends a messenger to Elijah, and it's not literally said this way, but I think that the person who came, you know, the angel that comes up to Elijah is like, Elijah, you got to learn how to smolder. You got to learn how, not, not that kind of smolder. <laughs> not Dwayne the Rock smolder. But, but you got to smolder. And you know why I say that? And I think, don't, don't miss that just because you saw the rock. And you're like, oh, yeah. Think about this for a second. The same is true in our lives. There's so many times where it's easy to be on fire. It's in those moments like, wow, it's just so amazing. But it's in those other moments where it's like, we got to learn how to smolder, how to keep the coals hot, even if the fire's not burning strong. You know, last uh, summer, or this in the spring, I made maple syrup, and I created this little burner thing, and uh, had had uh, ran it on wood fire, and it was like, it was great, and it was super hot, and then, you know, I, a couple days later, I went to clean up all the ashes out, out of the uh, thing, and I was like, I, I was lucky that I actually dumped it out first, because all of a sudden, it's like, it was so hot, I would have burned myself. I'm like, how is this possible that it's still there? That thing, I learned how to smolder. Just to, to maintain that, that heat and that core, even though nothing else was happening around. And that's the same for us in our spiritual life. It's like, what are we doing to, to maintain the smolder? It's like, God, I, I don't see you working. God, I don't feel you working. Where it's in those moments where like, I just want to, it's not going the way I hoped. I just want to quit. It's like, no, you know what? I'm going to keep shuffling. I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep the smolder going. I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to read and study it every day, even if it's not jumping out the page to me today, because I know that if I do this, it will again. And God, I'm going to pray and just spend time in silence and solitude with you. God, even if I don't hear your voice today, I know that if I put myself in this place, I will again. I'm here to smolder. You know, I think of Paul as he says it this way. He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm not giving up. He said, I haven't achieved yet, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep shuffling. The thought of, you know, I'm, I'm going to press on. And we know Paul, he's like the hero of faith. But Paul describes his moments of when he, when, he needed, when he needed to keep shuffling, when he needed to keep smoldering. You can read about it in 2 Corinthians 11. Let me just read it to you. And I just want you to think, and, you know, we often tell you, not, you know, don't compare your life to somebody, but I, I'd like you to try with this one. Here's Paul saying, hey, listen, this is what happened in my life here. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go live my life for God. And here's been the result. I've been in prison more often. More often than, I don't know, but more often. Been whipped times without number. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And that's like, they threw rocks at him. He didn't smoke something. Three times I was shipwrecked. I would just have to make sure the youth are all on board. He says, you know, three times, he says, he says, I was, I, he says, I was shipwrecked. I've spent a day and a night adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the city, in the desert, on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to even be believers, but they're not. He says, I worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. 
And he was just simply letting these people know, saying, hey, you, you think, you know, you guys have done so much for the Lord. He's like, listen, this is what my life has been like. And he's like, in all of these moments, man, I might be shuffling, but I am not quitting. And I just thought about this. Most of us haven't had any of those things, let alone all of them. How many on the list you were like, yep, I could check that out. You know, been to prison, been beaten, been whipped, had some Jesus followers say nasty things about me. Maybe that's where we all like, yeah, maybe that's where we find. But what's Paul doing? He's like, man, I'm just going to keep the coals hot. It doesn't matter if I'm shipwrecked and he's not done with me. God, get me to land because I'm going to keep running for you. I might be shuffling now, but I'm going to keep running. And he would actually tell Timothy later, we know how the story ends, 2 Timothy 4, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, Timothy. And what? I have remained faithful. Man, when it was like everything was against me and wanted to quit, now I kept shuffling. And so run with determination. Third is this, run with focus. Because there's lots of distraction out there. You know, Paul said this in Philippians 3. Remember the words, forgetting the past? I'm not, gonna, I'm not focusing on that. I'm going to look forward to what lies ahead. The Hebrew writer said, look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. It reminded me of a story when I was a kid. We played um, football. Like I used to go, to, I went to Dunville Christian School. I just, uh, I was a new kid in, in town, grade four, and I was little. And then I go to Dunville, and I'm like, what do they feed these kids? Like fertilizer? Because they're like huge. And so we had the grade four all the way to grade six. They would all have recess together. And and so uh, as we were out for recess, the two biggest kids, uh, they said, it's us against everybody else. And we're like, all right, until they would just toss the ball over our heads. We would jump. We couldn't reach them. And then the bigger of the two guys, he would just like walk right into the end zone with like kids hanging all over him and touchdown. And then we would try and they would just take the ball and they would do it over and over and over again. We're like, this, this is sucky. And then that moment that every kid dreams of happens. I'm standing in the place, and the one big kid throws the ball, and I'm like, I see it. I'm like, he did not throw it hard enough. It's not going to make it to the other guy. It's going to make it to me. And I jump, and I catch the ball, and I begin to run. And I start running towards that end zone. It's like, the, you know, the, everything goes in slow motion. I can hear the kids cheering, Marcus, Marcus. They weren't, but I could hear it. And I'm like running, right? And then as I'm, as I'm heading for the end zone, all the, I can hear behind me is thump, thump, thump. And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to get me, right? And as I turn around to look and see, you know, how close is he? All of a sudden, wham, I run right into the soccer goalpost head you head first blood i black out i fall back i don't even get a i don't even get a touchdown laying there and all they say is ha you didn't make it right and and I've, i've thought about that often but i think about this too that's so often what happens to us spiritually we're running the race and then it's the distraction. It's like the enemy's like, yeah, yeah, but you don't remember your past. Have you thought about who you once were? Have you thought about all those things, whatever, that you gave up? And it's like you begin to look back and all of a sudden it's like, boom. You know, it's like the things that, there's like the, the, the distractions, like, oh, comfort. You know, man, it's like, this is a little bit difficult. I could sure use some comfort or I could use some, um, you know, uh, some of the, the, the other distractions in our life, like convenience, like this is, is inconvenient. I'd rather do this. I'll take some shortcuts. Or maybe it's compromise. Like, the, like he said, it's those, it's those uh, weights and the sins that so easily beset us. He's like, man, we reach for those. And then wham, we find ourselves in that place again. And here's what Paul says. You know what? Keep looking to Jesus. Too often we're focused too much on us. He's like, get your eyes on Jesus. You're running your race, but you're running it for him. Uh, There's this song that I've been listening to called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And it just simply says this, To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. 
When the race is complete, still my lips will repeat, it's yet not I, but through Christ in me. That it is him, that he's the one who called us to this race, is what Paul said in Philippians. He's the one who called you to the race that you're running. And so that's our fourth point tonight, run your race because that's the design. You are not called to run anybody else's race. There's no point in comparing yourself with any other person. He's just called you to run your race like only you can. If you've seen Chariots of Fire, you know the story of Eric Little. In the 1924 Summer Olympics, Eric Little lined up at the 400 meters, a race that he wasn't really supposed to be running in. He was a 100-meter superstar, super fast, and, uh, but he realized that they were going to run the races on Sundays at the Olympics. And he's like, I can't run on Sundays. It goes against my conscience. And he says, God, I'm going to honor you. Even though this is my dream, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to do it. And then he found out the 400 meters were running on a different day. And so he signed up for that instead with a couple of months before the Olympics happened. And so, you know, the, the, the morning of the big race as he's lining up, one of his team had handed him a little piece of paper. And as he opened it, he read these words. In the old book, it says, he that honors me, I will honor. It was a quote from 1 Samuel, and he recognized it. And they wished him, you know, all the best and all the success in this race. If you honor God, he's going to honor you. Well, Eric Little ran that 400 meters, and he, uh, he won that race, and it was the inspiration for the movie, The Chariots of Fire. And he has this quote in that movie that says this, God, um, God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his presence. I feel his pleasure. To run a race, he says, that would bring God glory. And I just, you know, as you see those words on the screen, how would you finish that sentence? God made me for a purpose, but he also made me what? What would you put in there? What God-given gifts and talents has he placed in your life? What are you passionate about? You know, is it music? Is it art? Is it alpacas? Is it agriculture? Is it tech? Is it compassion? Is it sports? Is it baseball? What, what is it that he's like, this is what he's given me a gift of and this is what I'm passionate about because I, I would submit to you that's probably, it's not by accident. You've been designed a certain way that you might use what he's designed you for for him. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're his masterpiece, his one of a kind. We've said this often. You are the, master, you are the master's masterpiece made for such a time as this to run a race that only you can run. So to that challenge to run your race. And then finally, why? Because there's a prize. Run for the prize that matters. And that is all about the destination. You know, it's always about the prize. It's always about the prize. I think about my kids in the arcade. We went to uh, Great Wolf Lodge and they go in there to the arcade with 20 bucks. And it's all about playing the games that give the most tickets, right? They got to get the prizes at the end. And so they'll win as many tickets as they can. And then you get to the counter and they spend their tickets and they get like, I don't know, a little candy bar. And it's little, usually it's one of those little guys, uh, the army guys with the parachute that floats down. And they're like, oh, this is so amazing, you know? Uh, and, and then they, you know, then they discover the dollar store and realize, wait, I could buy this for a dollar at the dollar? store, but I've spent all this money trying to get these, trying to get these tickets to get this prize. It's all about the prize. But Paul's encouraging these guys saying, hey, you know, there's racers around us and, and very popular in that in Greek, in Greece to have these racers who would run for just a, it was a little crown they made out of leaves, a laurel out of leaves. And those leaves would be, would be dead by the, the evening. But that's what they trained and disciplined and ran for, that they might be the one who was awarded that. And Paul's like, that's a real temporal prize. He says, that's not what we're running for. 
we're not running for the same thing as them. We're running for a prize that is eternal. We're aiming for that heavenly prize. And when I think about that, you know, when you run with discipline so you can claim the prize, the world may look at you funny. The, may, the world may look at us and say, you know what? <laughs> You're nuts. Why don't you do what? Why aren't you the same as us? At work, it's like, why, why, aren't you, why don't you go and drink your face off with us on the weekends? Why don't you, you know, party it up? Why don't you hook up and break up like everybody else? Why aren't you doing Because I'm running for a different destination. You know, I don't live for the weekend. I don't live for the dollar. I'm not living for the promotion. I'm not living for vacation. I'm not living for the weekend. I'm living for something much, much more important. I'm, I'm aiming for a different target. You know, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow's compass is like it aims to a totally different north. It's like this is, this is what I'm desiring for. That is what I'm heading for. And that is what I'm running for. I'll run my race in light of the eternal prize because it's all about the prize. And so final thoughts to run with desire, determination, to run from distraction, to run by design, to run to a destination that matters. Does that describe your life? Does that describe mine? Let me ask you again. Running with desire, running with determination, running from distraction, by design, to a destination that matters. Does that describe your life and your race right now? If you think about it, or maybe you're in pursuit of all the world has to offer, And you're just like, man, like in Bible school, they always told us, look out for the gold, the glory, and the girls. They will take out your ministry every time. But maybe that's this thing, that's the pursuit, is what what you're after. And so I just want to leave you with the words of Jesus. Jesus had the following conversation with his disciples. Matthew 16, verse 24, he says this. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your whole life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What is he saying? If anyone wants to follow me, anyone, could be anyone in this room, anyone listening online, anyone who comes across this message, whenever it is, anyone. If you want to be a Jesus follower, he says, that's open to you, but you've got to take up your cross. What does that mean? My old life, my selfishness, all of it, my sin, it's all nailed to that cross. I don't want that anymore. I want to run for a different master. And he says, if you try to hang on to your life, if you just live for this life, you're going to lose it anyways. Everyone does. 10 out of 10 in this room are going to die. I, that's, I mean, nobody amens that. But that's, the, that's one of the, 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 the truths we all can agree on. There's no way to save your own life. And so that's Paul's question. He's like, would you think about the race you're on? What are you running for? If you're racing for all the things the world has to offer and you get to the end, what does it matter if you gain it all but you lose you? What will you trade for your own soul in the end? You would trade it all. And so he says, think about that in this time. Is there anything worth more than your soul? And then I want to leave it to this last portion of a poem by C.T. Studies. He says, there's only one life, a few brief years, each year with its burdens, its hopes, and its fears, each with its clays that I must fulfill, living for self or for his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Tomorrow is a little guy named Travis who's getting baptized. As I read his story, he said, you know, I want to I be a missionary someday. And so he says, so why not just start today? Let me use the, my baptism as my first opportunity to share my faith with others. I think he's like nine years old. My question to you is, if you're thinking about the journey that you're on and realizing I need to get into a different race, why not today?
What's stopping you from doing it today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your word, your truth. Thank you for Paul and others who just make it so simple for us to understand that we can realize that we're in a race, in a race that, <laughs> a race with just the most amazing prize. God, I pray that you would stir up in our hearts by your Holy Spirit that desire to run for a heavenly prize, to live our lives in a way that brings glory to you in how we live. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for us, for giving us the opportunity to choose life and choose hope. Thank you for choosing us. Let's pray for every person in this place tonight who doesn't know you. Lord, as they reach out to you tonight, let's just simply make that decision to say, I, I just don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. Would you, would you do on the inside what no, nobody else can do? Would you change them from the inside out? I I know I don't even have to ask, Lord, because I know that's what you do. I just thank you for doing that in my life and in others here, and we give you glory for that tonight. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, a few questions for you to think about tonight. Maybe you're going to chat with family. Maybe you're going to chat with some others, or maybe you're just going to reflect on them uh, yourself. But here, here's a few things to, to think about. Number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? It was like, huh, that's something I need to... I really need to give more thought uh, power to. Second, which story, which story of the races or the runners most connected with you today? And why? The reason we tell the stories is so that, that, that there'll be that connection to that truth. Which one of those was like, yeah, that, that, that's me. And then third, do you feel like you're on fire as a Jesus follower? Or do you feel like you're in a time of smoldering? And, and why? And then finally, what's hindering you from running the race that he's called you to run? And if you're here tonight, you're like, you know what? I don't want to be hindered anymore. I just, I want to follow Jesus. I, I've maybe put it off or whatever. I would simply say this. Jesus says simply, just come and follow me. Just turn from your old way of living and turn to me. It's, it is that simple of a, of a decision and it'll change the rest of your life. And the one thing he asks us to do is, hey, once you believe in Christ, get baptized. And if you're like, you know what? I am serious about this. I am in. And you want to get baptized tonight? We brought towels. We will gladly do that. So, is there anybody in? I feel like I need to ask. Anybody online? <laughs> I do not do virtual baptism. Well, I am uh, grateful to have spent tonight with you. I hope that you're inspired to, to, to run. And I say even for myself, taking this, this time away this summer, realizing some of these things are just so, so important for me as well to allow those things to, to bear fruit in my life. And so thank you for uh, journeying with me tonight in this, this, uh, this span. And go run your race for his glory. Be blessed. Amen.